Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 48 of the Runners of You podcast. This is not your podcast app malfunctioning. We are back with a new episode after a very long hiatus. I'm your host, Vicki Odi, and today's guest is me. Amelia Benton came back to interview me on what I've been doing, what running has looked like for me since the Houston Marathon in January what my life has looked like because there have been some very significant changes and then we delve into some local things going on in the houston running community at the end of the episode i'm joined by sarah hudgens who walks me through what her experience looked like at today's houston half marathon hope you all enjoy this episode Welcome, everyone, back to the Runners of Hue podcast. This is your host, Vicki Ode. This is not a repeat episode. We are actually back, and Amelia Benton is here with me, and she's going to talk to me about what I've been up to lately. Hello. So where should we even begin? Oh, my God. So much has happened. <laughs> Let's pick up right where we left off last time I interviewed you. You had just run the marathon, mm-hmm. so let's talk about where your running has been this year. Oh my goodness. My running. So after the Houston marathon, now in the lead up to the marathon, I developed plantar fasciitis in my left foot and it was horrible. And so after the marathon, now I'm sure this question will come up later, but like literally two days after the marathon, did I start a brand new job? And so rather than take a break and head straight back into running, I took a break and went into the elliptical. So I did the elliptical probably for two months and also for a variety of reasons, which we can talk about later. But I didn't really start running again until like, I want to say April, May, maybe even June. Didn't start long runs again until late in the summer. Um, I just haven't felt good. Would you say that you were slow on your recovery and like you back into that way because you were trying to baby your foot or you just weren't very motivated? A little bit of both. I really wanted my foot to recover. And so I was trying not to run. Um, But also like, I never, it was my first marathon. And (laughs) immediately after the marathon, like I had conversations with people about like running grandma's that June, meaning this past June and trying to qualify for Boston. And, and then once I got out of race weekend, I was like, I need a break. Like that was a lot running was a lot. And then like when I trained for my first marathon, my work schedule was 5am to 2pm. I've always been an afternoon runner. That was the perfect schedule. And now my work schedule is 7.30am to 5pm with a commute. And it's just a lot different. It's harder to get the mileage in. Like I'm sure I can do it. But like, I remember having some marathon training runs that were 10 miles on a weekday. So that's going to be a lot if I try and do it again with this new job. Yeah. And as someone who usually takes a long time to recover from a marathon to even try to race a half marathon again mm-hmm. after that, I think it was a wise decision to not jump right back into marathon training to do one in the summer. Well, and a hundred percent, I remember I wanted to run, I wanted to run Houston, which I mean, we're recording this on Saturday, October 29th. And so the Houston half is tomorrow. I wrote myself a training plan probably 10 weeks ago and I started doing it where I had to up my mileage and, and in the beginning I was okay. And then all of a sudden, like my weekday runs, it was supposed to be five miles and I'd run four or I'd run three. And I Which just, is fine. Well, right. It is. It's a hundred percent fine. But I just, 
my long runs felt great and my weekday runs felt like dog shit. And I was like, no, like I'm actually not going to race. So we'll still working on that. Yeah. Well, I think you're in a good place at this point. You've gotten your long runs up to 10 miles mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. And we're still a decent amount of time away from the Houston half in January. True. So we were just talking about maybe doing a half marathon together. So yes, I'm, about that. I, I would love to race Houston in January. I am not yet signed up, but they have not yet started sending those social media posts that talk about like 500 entries left. So I'm not actually, I think they have <laughs> those entries at 50 entries left at this point. Uh, well, no, I think we're in the final price tier. So like, they're not okay. going to send those until they're almost sold out now. Yeah. Well, um, I think you're fine. I don't think it's going to sell out. Not that soon anyway. <laughs> I have no comment on their social media strategy <laughs> for how the race sells out. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to sign up. I, I did just go to the doctor yesterday to find out like why my running feels so bad. And so she told me like, don't do a bunch of long runs right now. I have a follow up with her in two weeks. Um, so basically just take it easy for the next two weeks while we try and figure out like what my blood work says. And, um, because I do want to run Houston in January, but I mean, my first marathon was a 348, and it was a distance I'd never run. I hadn't even come close. I was supposed to hit 22 miles in my long runs and I actually only ended up hitting, I honestly think my longest run was maybe 17 miles because I quit every single long run early because of my planner. We did 20 miles together. Do you not remember that? I hit 20? Yeah, we did it together. I must have blacked out. (laughs) I think that was before the Christmas one. Well, yeah, the Christmas one was horrible. And I love you and Laura so much for volunteering to run 22 miles with me on Christmas Day. And that was the run where I think we hit, we were like 15 15 or 16. And we were at a point where if I turned right, I would be home in like a half a mile or a mile. And I was like, I'm so sorry, you guys, like I'm going home. I'll have a Moses for you when you're done. But like, I need to stop because my foot, like I was crying. It hurt so bad. But we did 120 and then we definitely did 18 together once. I remember we did that with the Harriers and Jess led us like outside of the park a little bit. So you wouldn't wouldn't quit early. (laughs) Yeah, that's huge for me. I can't run. But so like, I mean... Everybody who's ever run a marathon knows that 18 is not 26 yeah. and 20 is not 26. And so I remember. But I mean, that, you, I think that's still solid that you did 118 and 120 and did so well in the marathon. Right. I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm running New York next week. Mm-hmm. And in this cycle, I, just, I only did 118 and 120. Mm-hmm. And I feel a little bit better about that knowing how well you did it. Houston. Well, like, right. I'm going to die so, next week. Exactly. <laughs> well, and the weather in New York, it's it's certainly not going to be the weather in Houston. There's no. And it's looking like it could be. Well, but it's not going to be 72 and humid. Yes. Right. That's true. So, I mean, it's still not going to be perfect, but it's not going to be that. Um, But so we have been talking in our group. Now I finished Houston in 348, which my goal that I didn't verbally say out loud to anybody had been 340, which for me is a Boston qualifier without a cushion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was on track until I don't know, probably 14. And then I was like, fuck this. I feel horrible. And I just like gradually got slower from there. Well, your first marathon is supposed to be a learning opportunity. Exactly. And for being candid, I think if you had run a little smarter in the first half, you probably could have done it. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, which is why I want to run a half with you because my last two, now obviously my marathon was my PR because I'd never done it, but I had just PR'd at the Houston half last year and I went out with the pace group the 145 pace group. And I hit everything until like, I don't know, 11 and a half. And then I fell back. 
So I've never run a race conservatively. I've always run at pace. I've never started out slower and then picked it up in the last half. Yeah. Because honestly, like, I don't know if I can do that mentally. I don't know if I'm there, which but, is why I want to run around a half with you. Yeah. And so we'll see how that goes. And I know this isn't your strategy. I know you're more trying to run even. But mm-hmm. let me just say for the record, for anyone listening, like banking time. Oh, no. Work. Fuck that. I, I should not curse this much. I'm going to have to mark this episode explicit. But like, no, you can't bank shit. It doesn't work. You'll die at the end. And Some it, people I'm sure can do it. I'm 100% not one of them. But, like, even if you do do it, like, are you really proud of it? If you do that, would you really be proud of that strategy where you die in the second half? No, absolutely not. Like, cool, I ran a PR for my half, and then I ran 10 minutes slower on my second half. No, that was my first (laughs) half. You did tell me that. Uh, But, yeah, you know, it's I know it's so hard to, like, to understand it, but if you start conservatively and run the first couple miles, like, way slower than what you want to average, it's so much easier to actually make it up in the second half like it's it, it feels so much better to feel like you're flying and not dying on Allen Parkway right well yeah well, Allen Parkway I was a hot mess by the time we hit Allen Parkway in January um but back to my plans for running there has been chatter in my group and I'm fairly certain people have already booked their entries Amelia <laughs> to run grandma's in June and so I know that you're running the half but if I well, number one, based on what my doctor says, and if we can recover, figure out why I feel so bad during my runs and fix that, like immediately after running the marathon, I wanted to run another marathon. And then once I thought about it, I was like, nope, don't really care. Never want to do this again. That was horrible. It wasn't horrible, but like the way I felt when I was done, you know, we were in the GRB and you and Amanda were like, pop back out to take a photo. And I'm like, oh my God, don't make me get off the ground. Um, but for my first marathon, only being only eight minutes is a long fucking time, but I was only eight minutes off qualifying for Boston with That's having really zero concept of pace. I'm sure I didn't fuel properly. I'm sorry, Starla. I'm listening to your webinar that I missed uh, tonight about fueling. You mean you didn't um, fuel properly during the race? No, a hundred percent. I don't think I ate enough. Um, I had, I really like the scratch choose i'm not a gel person the text it's just, it's a texture thing yeah. i think i need to get over that if you i do. want <laughs> I, I used know, to be the same way when i first to started run to run a proper but also i'm also a gum person because i don't want dry mouth mm-hmm. and so when i ran january or in january i had gum i had a pocket full of probably only two packs of scratch chews because uh, it was cold enough that I was not worried about them melting together in my pocket. Um, and I think we were on Kirby somewhere and I was just like, fuck this. And I spit out my gum and I just like every couple of minutes ate another chew instead of like following some sort of program. Yeah. Uh, and again, sorry to the dietitians listening to me if there are any out there, but like maybe next time I should probably follow a real fueling plan. But so, I mean, I still finished the race with some in my pocket. Um, never took a gel, which I had a couple in my pocket of those too. I just, it's definitely a texture thing. I want to love the Martin stuff. I drank the Martin drinks before the race, like the night before in the morning of, and I'm comfortable with those, but they're, gels have a weird consistency and you I just take need, them with water. Just I need like, to get over it. Just choke them. <laughs> um, so I definitely think that was part of the problem, but I don't know how we got started talking about nutrition, but. 
Um, I think just as one of the things. That right. So I am strongly considering grandma's. If I can have a serious marathon buildup, I would want to run grandma's marathon in June to try and qualify for Boston and then run Boston as a hundred percent fun run and possibly never do another marathon again. Well, if you decide to do it, you're definitely going to have long run buddies. I'll be training for Boston and I believe Jess would be doing the full at grandma's. Yes. Well, and that's the thing. So Sarah Hudgens was supposed to be here with us today and she is not, she had something else come up, but we are trying to con her into pacing us at grandma's oh, nice. so that we run 340 or under. That's a conversation we need to have about pace. Okay. I mean, I've heard grandma's is supposed to be a fast horse. I, I think know. You I just, okay, look, I've worked for a marathon and I know that grandma's is supposed to be amazing. I realize Duluth is a small town, but as far as like housing goes, they need to get their shit together. Yeah. I was on their website yesterday and there's a list, a literal list with phone numbers for housing options. Whereas like at the Houston marathon, you click a link and it takes you to all the hotels that are available and it tells you the price and you can book online. Like it's 2022. Yeah. I was under the impression though, that it was like only student housing, which I'm okay with. Well, I'm fine with student housing, but there were lists of hotels. Now I remember last year, I'm pretty sure I was at eight row Flint on marathon Sunday. Um, looking up housing options at grandma's and there was a, and I was on like kayak or something and they were showing like the motel eight for $250. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but no, there I'm housing or the college dorm type options. I know is one of their things, but there's a page on their website that just lists a bunch of hotels and says they have room blocks but it doesn't list pricing and you literally have to call the hotel to book the room. I'm like, oh. plus it's super expensive. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll figure out, figure it out, especially since we'll be sharing some of those rooms. I know. Well, it, <laughs> something that will come up in a few minutes, I'm sure. I'm newly married and my husband has never seen me. Thank you. Has never experienced a marathon or even a half marathon as a spectator even he's like i want to go and he has friends in minneapolis and uh and so i might have to tell him like sorry i'm rooming with three women you you, you can't come like you can visit your friends and me and i'll i'll drive back after the race, <laughs> after the race. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out <laughs> i also didn't realize until i signed up yesterday that the half marathon starts at 6 a.m i and the saw that that's a lot you're gonna be you're gonna be done by the time we start now this is also something we said we're gonna talk about later but like that might be the way to do it if you're on a loop course cough cough race that's happening tomorrow (laughs) um because that's gonna be insane but like yeah i can't believe it starts so much 6 a.m is rough yeah but at least i'll have plenty of time to like figure out where i want to be well right then you can come find (laughs) hey i I wouldn't expect you to do anything more than like standing at the finish line without assuming it's the second half of the marathon oh good point uh yeah that sounds accurate i mean look i haven't looked at the course i have no idea what that's like but like you're in a foreign city i wouldn't expect anything other than you to hang out by the finish line (laughs) I guess everyone's going to be running the full, huh? I'll just be the 
I don't know. <laughs> I know that, that Jess and I want to run the full and, and we want to con Sarah into pacing us. I feel like Amanda would run the full. Yeah, we haven't mm-hmm. talked to her about that yet, but I don't feel like she would turn down a trip to Minnesota. So if you're listening, Amanda, we're running grandmas. And so you have <laughs> <Pressure's> to come. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Oh, the races she does, I'm sure she would run the full. Unless she's trying to have PR. Yeah. So aside from the potential DQ at Grandma's, what other running goals do you have yet? Oh, I don't know. Well, it depends. I, I really don't know. I mean, at the moment, I just want to figure out how to be healthy with running. Um, I would love my current PR for the half is 145 high. I don't remember what. So you were like, well, I'm not trying to PR for the half in January, but me running with your half is five minutes faster than mine. Yeah. I could still PR if I run with you. So if I'm able to health to be healthy and run the half in January, I would like to run a PR. I've never run the course here in Houston. I haven't either. I've only run the old course coming off an injury. Okay. I'm excited to run. Right. So half PR. I mean, if I run grandma's and Boston qualify, that would obviously be a PR. And so that's a goal. But other than that, like I really just want to be comfortable running 10 to 13 miles on a Saturday right now. Like I have no, I'm never going to be an Ironman or half Ironman. I don't own a bike. I have no particular goals in swimming. Like that's, that's not my thing. More props to people who can do that shit. I don't want to be out there for seven hours. I have no idea if that's even how long it takes, but like, no, that's not me. Um, so I mean, honestly, it's just healthy and being able to run and like being able to go out on a seven mile run during the week and not feel bad about it. And yeah. And like but have it a good seems time. Like the long runs we've done together recently have been decent. You've done. Yeah, it's crazy. Now. My long runs have been great. I've felt the most people are the opposite. My long runs have felt the best during the yeah. week. I Maybe feel it's just horrible. because like you're like, you know, you've worked all day. It could be. Maybe you're not I've always been a, a run after work person, but. This is slightly different. I work longer hours because I work a 980. So my work day is, I think, 10 hours. Um, I probably don't snack. You should. Close enough to when I run. And so I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's just little things I need to work on to get myself back to where I feel decent on my runs. That's my goal. Well, you're not that far off. You'll get there. So should we talk about your life update? You already <laughs> shared a little bit about the new job, but let's talk about the other life update. You recently got married. Congratulations. I did. Thank you. So, I mean, this is probably more detail than anybody really cares about, but, um, God, 12, 15 years ago, Jeff and I were dating. He was, uh, we met when we both lived um, in the Philadelphia area. And so he used to play for the AHL team there. Ice hockey for people who don't know what that means. Cause there is no hockey in Houston. Um, and we were together for a couple of years. He started playing in Europe. I would go see him in Europe. Um, and then it was just, I mean, it was too much long distance sucks. Anybody who's ever been in it, you know. And so we broke up, I think in 2011, and then randomly started talking at Christmas, 21. Uh, he came to see me the week before the marathon. And honestly, I wanted to tell him no. And he's in the other room, so he might hear me, but he will definitely listen to this episode later anyway. I believe I remember something about margaritas days before the marathon. 
hey, look, shit happens. <laughs> and so he did. He came to see me. I, I can't remember, but he was here. He left on like Friday morning of race weekend. And uh, I mean, he, he came back a couple times. Uh, we clearly were back together and decided, I mean, we had dated for years. Now, granted, it was over a decade ago. Um, but we're old now. I'm 41. And so <laughs> not old. I mean, old enough. And so we were like, this is stupid. We know that we, we wanted to be together. And so we decided that he would move here. Uh, he is a Canadian citizen. So he moved here. Uh, cue all the proposal references. Oh my God. It's insane. I, we started talking about this and then like literally every time I turned on the TV, the movie, the proposal would be on. And I was flying, I flew up to Canada in July and we drove back down together when he moved here. And I went to dry bar to get a blowout the day I was flying to Canada and the fucking movie was on in the dry bar because all they play is chick flicks. I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> Um, but so he moved here at the end of July and at the end of August, we eloped, uh, and he is volunteering with, there actually is, uh, minor, not minor, but like kids ice hockey in Houston. And so he's volunteer coaching with an organization. Uh, now that we're married, we are working with immigration to get his green card and then like look for all the things. Yay. Well, we're all very happy for you. <laughs> we're glad he's getting somewhat immersed into the running scene. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, he's getting a little immersed. Week. He did come to breakfast last week. I think he's still, I mean, like, the shock of the weather here is a lot for him. First, it was the heat, which, I mean, like, a summer day in Canada is, like, 75. And so Sounds high like 90s. I know. High 90s for the first, I don't know, roughly two and a half months that he was here was a lot. And then... I remember yesterday, so we, all the rain yesterday, and I mean, like, you know how it works here in Houston with the flooding and the streets, and they're like, you have to be careful where you drive because it's probably actually, like, three feet deep if you're not paying attention. Um, in the morning, I remember being like, oh, I'm not worried about it because there's no advisory. He was like, what? <laughs> He's like, I mean, if it rains at all in Canada, like, it's like, I don't know, a quarter of an inch. And I was like, oh, no, we're probably going to get like two inches of rain. And I looked last night and like most areas got like two and a half inches of rain. And that's been like three hours. Of course, I was out in that, obviously. Um, but <laughs> he told me he went to HEB and there was like these like front row prime parking spots. And he didn't understand why. And so he parked in one and then he stepped out of his car <laughs> and the water was over his ankle. And he was like, <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm Houston saying. is definitely taking some getting used to for him, but he'll get there. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's always great to get an update from you on what's going on in your life and your running life. I feel like you should update us more often. I know. But I know you started this podcast to share stories from around the Houston area. So I, I have to ask, will the podcast make a regular comeback? I would really like it to, um, you know, I had a lot of fun, but a surprising amount of people, when given the choice, chose a weekday at three o'clock in the afternoon to record their episodes. And that's just not something that's going to work for me right now. So I would love to have it make a comeback, 
but it's going to have to be something I do most likely on the weekends, unless somebody really wants to record at like 7 p.m. at night during the week after I've done my run for the day. Um, so if I can do it moving forward, like I would probably record like we are right now on a Saturday afternoon and then edit it Saturday and Sunday. And then maybe I change my plan. You know, I always used to post on Thursdays, but I feel like that is yeah. neither here nor there. So, you know, maybe record Saturday, edit Sunday, post Monday or something like that. Yeah. I would really like to I get back people, into it. I think people would be willing, would be fine with making a friend. Yeah. I've been on a podcast where it's been four clippers do work full time. Yeah. I think they do all their recordings like at 7 p.m. Right. On weeknights. Right. So people would make it work. Yeah. I was just like everybody I interviewed had full time jobs. And I mean, granted, it was I started on the talent of COVID. So I'm sure everybody was still at home. But I was like, wow, three o'clock. Like, nope. And obviously my schedule accommodated at that time. But I was really surprised by the amount of people that wanted to do it during a work day. I'm like, OK, cool. So I would like to. But it it would have to be later at night or on the weekends for me to record the episodes. Do you have, do you still have a list of people you'd like to feature? Are you taking suggestions? Uh, always taking suggestions. Let me look. Actually, I have my notebook from when I first started this podcast and there's a bunch of people on here that I never did talk to. I never talked to your husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then like, you know, people that I know, there were people in the event world that I knew. I never talked to Sarah Pepper, who was a huge part of my time at the Houston Marathon as an ambassador. I was scrolling through my Instagram before this started to look because I knew you were going to ask me this question. Um, and well, not really related to that. I'd love to talk to Amanda Schnell. Yeah. Um, you know, she, we've done a lot of long runs together. And um, actually, I went out to watch. She did a half Ironman, the one in the woodlands and Sarah Hudgens and I went out to spectate and we were like, Oh yes, I need to have her on. I'd love to like start the podcast again. And Amanda would be great. And life got in the way and I never even talked to her about it, but like having her on, having her husband on, um, someone I follow that's pretty entertaining is the running wine mom who I think oh, yeah, her I name think is Letty. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have on, Nikki, whose handle is I was born to run. She was the one who was running a marathon every day in the lead up to Houston Mm -hmm. and was definitely somebody I wanted to talk to, but again, like just never moved on it. And then I saw her in other podcasts. I was like, Oh, we'll do it later. And, and I mean, I obviously have not done a podcast in like eight months at this point. So it's definitely a list always taking suggestions. I I would love to get this started again. If I can, just got to rip the bandaid off. The I first know. One. Well, that's what this is for. Yeah. Well, I hope it does make a comeback very soon. Me too. Should we move on to local running news? Oh, boy. <laughs> of course. What did you want to talk about? <laughs> what do you want to start with? Oh, pick your poison. There's a couple <laughs> things out there right now. Well... The Houston Marathon recently tightened its local elite standards for, is it the first time in the program's existence? It how is. Long, how long has the program even the existed? The program's been around, I think, for 40 years. Possibly so like 42. So the local elite program has existed since the marathon? Well, no, because no, the, the, the marathon just hit their 50th anniversary. Okay. My understanding is that the local elite program has been around for 40 years. This is the first time they've ever changed their standards. Yeah. 
So you previously worked for the marathon. Why don't we start with you explaining what exactly the local elite program is? So the local elite program is something for obviously local athletes who hit a specific qualifying standard or win a specific local race. Um, and the races are typically, I believe it's the hurrah warm-up series, whereas the Houston half, the 25K, and the 30K, and I think also the, the Space City 10 Yeah, I didn't realize until this year that that's one of them, too. Right. I didn't, I'm not sure I realized that either, even when I worked there, but that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, if you, I think something that people don't understand is that, like, if you win local elite status, it's not just a bib entry. This is shit that costs the marathon money. If you're a local elite, you have access to the hospitality suite, which is somewhere where all of the the actual elite athletes hang out. Um, you have access to the massage facilities that the elite athletes have. You have access to the elite dinner. You have access to the tent before the you literally get bust with the elite athletes to the start of the race. You have access to the elite athlete tent. Um, you are on the starting line with the elites. So even the local elites who are age group qualifiers are starting with the elites. That's not even something that the athletes with development with the athlete called, development, athlete development, which is basically the sub elite. Right. So they're, yes, everybody typically refers to them as sub elite, but the, the proper name is the athlete development program. They start behind this group. And these are the people that are qualifying for the Olympic trials. Yes. And so, but the local elites, they get all those things. They start with the elites. They have bottle service, so they get to provide their own fluids. And then they also have access to a specific area just for them after the race. It's a lot of stuff. And it's not something anybody's guaranteed. Like, people being like, oh, it's not fair. You're making it harder. We look up to these. Look, don't get me wrong. Local elites are awesome. If you can run that fast, more power to you. This is a privilege. It is not a right. Nobody guarantees you the right to anything. I There is no other race in the country that has a local elite program like this. Other people, there are other races that have qualifying standards. Um, I know Twin Cities, you know, they have the time to get in for elites. And then they also have a, a slower time for locals to qualify for the elite program. They don't age grade it out. Um, the last document I saw from them was 2017. So it was fairly old, but if you wanted to be an elite and you were local at twin cities in 2017, as a man, you had to run 235, And as a woman, you had to run 259. And that was five years ago. I can guarantee you that those numbers have changed in that time. So <laughs> I'm just baffled by the people who are mad about these changes. So much has happened in the 40 years since this program has begun that the standards have to change. There's no reason for them not to super shoes are a thing. People actually know how to feed themselves for lack of a better term during the run. Like nutrition is changed. Everything has changed and athletes are running significantly faster than they were 40 years ago. A hundred percent. These standards should have changed. Yeah. I was surprised that there was as much uproar as there was. Because, I mean, like, if you compare it to the Boston qualifying times right. and, the, and the Olympic trials qualifying standards. Like right. Boston, since I since I first decided I wanted to try to qualify in 2010, the tight, the standards have been tightened twice since then. Yeah. And that just made me want to work harder right. and actually get it. Well, Same I mean, the like, trials, like, in I my age group, for me right now to qualify for Boston, I would need to run a 340. 
the local elite time for my age group is now at 258. Like that's, there should be a significant difference. Me qualifying for bottom, I'm not an elite. I'm not a sub elite. I'm not a low, like it is what it is. And similarly for the, the Olympic trials standard was heightened. Yes. Recently. Considerably. And I feel like I don't, there was there no uproar. Much uproar. Like people just said they're going to rise up to the challenge and they're going to try to run those new times. Yeah. So hurrah, the Houston area Roadrunners yeah. association came out with this report outlining why they think the changes are unfair or impossible while people are meanwhile. Oh, right. People are already them. making the standards. So I think that already shows you they're wrong. Yeah. So after that came out, people started, people who are against the standards right. started sharing their opinions. And you put out an Instagram poll asking what people thought about them. So I why don't you share did. what kind of responses did you get? So I asked my, the first part of the poll was, do you think the time should have changed? 78% of the poll said it was time and 22% said, no, you shouldn't have changed. Um, in response to the actual question, why do you think it should or should not have changed? Uh, honestly, very few people weighed in. There were a couple of responses. Someone said, yes, it definitely was time for a change. People are not getting slower, which I mean, we just talked about all of the times are getting faster. Records are dropping. The super shoes obviously play a huge part of that, but like everybody's getting faster. Mm -hmm. um, somebody did say they're fine with the change, but they think it's unrealistic for the Houston weather, which honestly I think is bullshit. Yeah. You get what uh, you get. You get what you get. Look at the, what happened in Georgia for the trials and what happened in Tokyo for the Olympics. Like you can't predict the weather. You need to be ready to run on any given day, regardless of the conditions. The times are the times. Um, and I mean like saying the Houston weather, my first marathon was amazing. Yeah. For the record, the Houston marathon has had amazing weather like the last five years in a row. Right. No, granted, my first working the Houston Marathon, it was like 43 and raining. And I think my last one was when it was hot. But like, I'm pretty sure it was 43 and beautiful when I ran it this year. It was amazing. So I, I don't I don't agree with saying it's unrealistic for the Houston weather. You have to be able to run those times in any condition. Granted, you'll be slower if the weather sucks. But like, it is what it is. Um, somebody said it was too strict for older age groups which I also disagree with. I saw some comments on the hurrah Facebook group that like, well, I place in my age group and I can't make these times. Well, great. I place in my age group too. And I'm not even close. Like that's not the same thing. Being able to be a local elite and placing in your age group, definitely not the same thing. I've heard a few people weigh in saying that they think the purpose of it was to like make the field size smaller, which I'm sure is true. I, do, I, think I agree with that 100%. Because like I said, this shit's not free. Yeah. And so if the local elite field size was getting too big and too expensive, yes, of course they're going to downsize it. I do not agree with the people who think that they said they changed the time so that they could phase out the program. If they wanted to cut the program, they would cut the program. Mm -hmm. Um. Which is, so there was another comment where somebody said, yes, I agree that it was time for change, but the new times are all insane. And and this person also said they think they're trying to cut the program. Uh, but they also said that they were part of the program in 2022 and they didn't have a great experience. And, you know, I am not the person to defend the Houston Marathon. Like, I just won't do it. But it was their first race back from COVID. They had an entirely new elite staff 
and shit happens in the changeover. Like there are learning curves. And what specifically did they not enjoy about it? They didn't say. Um, I I heard from other people that there may have been bottle issues, but again, you're a local elite. You are not like you. Where else are you getting bottles? You don't even you don't get bottles on the Houston half in October. You don't get bottles on the 25k or the 30k. Like privilege, not a right, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So I do think that there could have been bumps in the road in 2022, but it, um, without knowing what specifically happened, yeah. I know there was new staff, and I think that there were changeovers in the volunteers. There were probably some longstanding volunteers who'd been involved for 20 years who didn't come back, and it takes mm-hmm. the new people some time to get up to speed. I'm sorry you didn't have a 100% amazing experience, but it was still a better experience than the people who didn't have bottle service and didn't have ex- exposure to the elite athlete dinner and didn't have exposure to the hospitality suite and didn't have exposure to free massage. Like what else do you want? Yeah. Well, what I think is more interesting than anything is that the people who spoke out in support of this report that hurrah put out is that people who are presumably in support of or okay with the changes are afraid to say so publicly and speak out against hurrah. And full disclosure, you served on the board of Hurrah for I did. a year. I did. I almost accepted a board a board position the year before that. Or maybe it was for the same year. It, it, we would have been on the board the same year if it had okay. happened. And I decided to walk away from it because yes. it became clear that Hurrah's values did not align with mine. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, one one thing that, you know, I thought it was interesting that people are afraid to speak out against Hurrah. I agree And you said, like, something you said was that you don't think hurrah should have any say in these new standards a hundred percent it's none of their business the houston marathon is a completely separate organization to my knowledge hurrah doesn't give the houston marathon any money so why should they get a say in who qualifies for their local elite program i just you know they have these races the races are put on by separate organizations i don't know what hurrahs and involvement is in the Houston half or the 25 K or the 30 K. But like when I was on the board, we weren't involved. Now we did try to figure out a replacement for the 30 K because unfortunately the man who was running the 30 K passed away. Um, but it wasn't the race. None of those were their races that the 10 milers, not their race. And so they're an umbrella organization over clubs. What the fuck business do you have dictating anything to the Houston marathon? When I worked there, I worked for the Houston Marathon for five years. My contact with Hurrah was minimal at best. Yeah, and, you know, we hear it thrown around that it's our runner civic duty to support Hurrah by being members. But what I found really interesting is that no one seems to be able to answer the simple question as to how it benefits members to be. That that is a great question. Like you said, I was on the board of Hurrah for one year, and it was from June of 2021 to June of 2022. I cannot tell you one specific benefit of being a member of Hurrah other than the occasional three to five dollar discount on a local race. So if anyone wants to enlighten us, yeah, please by all means, like let me know. Um, I know that they they do give out money. Um, from what I saw, we gave out. I believe it was somewhere in the three to five thousand dollar range over a specific amount of groups. 
They're sitting on significantly more money than that. And I don't understand why they used to rent equipment and they used to um, do all of these other things, but they don't do those anymore. So no idea what that war chest is for. Um, and yeah, giving money to Memorial Park and giving money to, um, they did something to honor Andy, who was the race director who passed away. Um, but other than that, I mean, even if they gave out a max of 10 grand a year, that's 10% of the money they're sitting on at a minimum. I don't know where that money goes. I don't know what they use it for. It just kind of sits there. Something to think about. <laughs> but again, like, I, a friend of mine was also on the board of Hurrah for one year prior to me being on it. And I asked her before we had this podcast why she left. And now she did have some personal reasons why she left. But she said kind of the same thing that I did. She had no direction on what she was supposed to be doing. Um, quite frankly, she said it was boring. Um, they asked her to push membership, which they couldn't explain a reason why. And I mean, she said it was a, look, this is not me. I promise. I'm not like, Oh, these are my thoughts, but I'm passing it off as somebody else. And now don't get me wrong. I can confirm I, that too. I agree with her, but like, she said it's a bunch of old people. And she's not wrong. And it's not hard for people to just go on the website and see that that's true. Right. I agree. And so, and they are more diverse than they used to be. Definitely still room for improvement. Um, but in the year that I was there, I didn't see a lot of things getting done. And there were a variety of conversations that I was not on board with. And I'm sure... If I would have stayed, I could have pushed for more change. But in the year that I was there, they didn't really listen to my suggestions in the first place. And so I just didn't feel like it was worth my time. I think that's valid. Well, I hope people, whether you're a member of her or not, I hope you'll consider all of this if you're weighing becoming a member. Agreed. And next... The Houston half, which oh. is taking place tomorrow, oh, man. announced a course change due to construction on Memorial Drive days before the race. Four days. They they put out a social media post four days before the race announcing their course change. It went from a, I mean, I, it was a one-loop course because there was no backtrack to a now two-loop course because of the construction that everybody has seen on Memorial for the past several months. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't really think about it because I'm not running the race tomorrow. But if I was training and trying to pull oh, out tomorrow, I'd be fucking pissed. pissed. Um, look, I worked for a race and they knew this. Everybody knew this construction was happening. They should have been in communication with the city for the last several months. They would have known it was not going to be done. I'm sure they hoped it was going to be done, but they would have known it wasn't. And now I know that, I mean, your sister just ran in, in Chicago where that, I don't 
really remember the specific details, but I think they found out like on race day or something that their course was changing and it was a nightmare and it was short, yeah. it was long. It was like 12 and a half miles long, which I guess I think they certified that course, but like, right. You train for a but half? So, well, and that's one of the other things like this course here in Houston, their new two loop course is certified, which to me means they knew yeah. they were going to have to run it. And if you knew you were going to have to run it, like certification is not an easy process and it's not something you do overnight. Oh, that's interesting because I did the Mountains to Beach half marathon in California in June, and they had a similar. They had an issue uh-huh. with the full marathon where they made a wrong turn and they ended up running well over twenty six point two miles. Oh. And they ended up. I guess they certified the new twenty seven point whatever course that day, so that anybody who ran, if you ran your Boston qualifying time for twenty seven miles, then you were good. That's insane. Yeah. Now I do know that there. So. It has to be certified by a USATF certified course measurer or whatever this person is called. And there does happen to be one in Houston, but like it needs to be certified before the race is run. It clearly was. They clearly did it well in advance because once people started questioning, they were able to say, no, no, it's a certified course. Um, They should have let people know weeks ago, if not months, because they knew this was coming. And I think they didn't tell people because they knew that no one would run it and they wanted the money. Yeah. I think people would have still run it. I think people would just have preferred to know about it sooner. I, I think people would have run it. I yeah. don't think everybody would have run it. But they still would have gotten um, a decent showing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But now... Actually, it's... I think the first time that I ran the Houston app in 2011, I think it was a two-loop course and I ran a PR that year. Okay. But I don't... They also didn't have a 10K that year. So... That definitely changes. Well, things. right. So it's a two loop half marathon course. The leaders are 100% going to be in the thick of the back end of the crowd when they're trying to win the race. And the 10K people are going to be out there because the 10K starts later than the half marathon, which I found out the hard way when I ran the 10K a few years ago, thinking yeah. I was going to be starting with my friends. And they were like, no, you start a half an hour from now. Yeah. Um, this was something else I did a poll on. And when I asked people their thoughts on what they thought about this announcement coming four days before the race, some of the answers I got were terrible change, unprofessional and disappointing, glad I'm doing the Monster Mash the day before, major disappointment, thankful I'm doing the 10K. Somebody said they did it so they could keep attendance high. A lot of us thought the tunnels was happening. Oh, yeah. The tunnels are cool. Yeah, that was really cool in the um somebody's response was the fuck question mark uh amateur no bueno definitely wouldn't have done this race if i had known it omar said the same thing yeah uh the running (laughs) this was funny the running community demands a full investigation into this matter um so and uh, you know not excited until or was excited until this not thrilled so, like, people don't love it. Yeah. Well, what do you think the chances are of the construction being done in time for the marathon? Oh, that's a good question. I'll need to drive it again. Um, the marathon works so well in coordination with the city that if it wasn't going to be done, I think we'd know by now. Yeah. Um, if the marathon was going to need to change the course, it's something we would already know about. And I mean, I've been on Memorial. 
I was I I went to the park last week. Yeah. It, it it's not that bad. It doesn't look that bad. I think that whatever is happening on there is something they will be able to course correct for for the marathon. And like I said, like you know, I'm not. Yeah. The marathon's and like it wasn't person. anywhere close to done right. for the marathon, but they like made it. They made like a special exactly. And well, right, and I mean, yes, the marathon. The race in January is significantly bigger and more important to the city than the race that's happening tomorrow. Um, So I think that the city will figure out a way to make it possible for the marathon course to happen. Otherwise, we would know about it already. Well, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. (laughs) All right. Should we move on to our final segment? A more lighthearted running segment. Yes. Running pet peeves. You pull oh my people God. on Instagram on this. So. I did. And I got a variety of answers. Some are surprising, some are not. And so answers that I got for, well, my personal running pet peeves, you know, I've, I've run recently alone a couple times in the morning, like 6 or 7 a.m. And so like you're running alone, you're running on the correct side of the street, and there's a group coming at you. And it's like six people wide. And they don't move out of the way. I'm like, okay. Two people across, maybe three. Six? No, you're wrong. Uh, so that really bothers me. Um, something else that really bothers me personally is if you're out on a run alone, specifically as a woman, if one man or a group, two, three, four men, come up behind you, you're running the pace they want to be at. And so they sit on your shoulder. They don't announce themselves. They don't tell you you're there. It's just men running behind you as a woman. Like with everything that's happening right now, get the fuck away from me unless you tell me you're there. Yeah. Um, I feel like that that used to happen to me a lot when I ran on the rice loop. Yeah. To be like, I'm running a 10-minute pace just past me. Like, what are you trying to prove? Exactly. Uh, But some answers that I got were... People who race through long run and act like it's a huge mystery when they blow up on race day, 100% agree. Uh, my race pace for the marathon, without looking it up, was somewhere around 8.25, and my long run pace is anywhere from 9.30 to 10 minutes. As it should be. Yeah. So don't race your long runs. Um, stopping your watch on recovery intervals to, to avoid posting slower paces on Strava. Like, don't get me wrong. I do this occasionally. Uh, but I'm not, I don't do it to change my pace for Strava. I do it because I just want to see my pace because I can't, I'm great at math and I still can't, like, I can't figure that shit you gotta out. You got to let me teach you how to do it <laughs> on your Garmin because you can't I do know. that. And then you can see I know it's a thing. intervals separately. I want, I want, this is my, like, nudge or my like I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like to get a new garment yeah because what garment do you have you have the 235 right oh I thought I had it on <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can I think I have, I'm sure that I can I just never try to figure it out like I know I can put my you just gotta uh, do it on course the on there too for the long runs and I've never done that either oh I haven't figured out how to do that either. <laughs> but you can program workouts just on the app and then just send it to your watch okay all that's right. so much easier than doing it on your watch I will try uh, <laughs> amateurs who refer to their first marathon as their debut, 100% agree. <laughs> I did not debut in a marathon. I was not trying to set an American record. It was my first marathon. Just say it's your first marathon. Right. I did not. I am not Sarah Hall. Okay. Uh, 
He who shall not be named responded to this poll as, uh-oh, this will be interesting. It might or might not be the president of my running group. <laughs> uh, somebody said, not knowing the route. So if you're on a long run with people and you don't know where you're going, like, I get it. Oh, that's me every but time. <laughs> 100% it's me. I just follow the people I'm with. I'm that's like, why I don't, I usually don't show up anymore when they're, they're doing the Brooks route. If I'm going to be running by myself because after how many years, I still don't have that. Oh, memory. see, that one I know. You, well, I run it every day. Just kind just of <laughs> went on there. I know that route. Uh, <laughs> running in place of a traffic light. Can't stand it. 1,000% agree. Yeah. There's no need. It's not necessary. It's not keeping you warm. It's not keeping your heart rate up. Just and fucking do you have stand your there. On when, you're, when you're doing that, probably not. So what's the point? Exactly. <laughs> I stopped my Garmin in traffic lights. Uh, so, I didn't understand this because 100% disagree. Somebody said someone talking to me on my run. Now, if it's, oh, if it's like a stranger, you don't well, they didn't talking. specify. So, mm-hmm. like, if it's my running group, like, I will talk yeah. all fucking day. But One if it's of my somebody I don't that I forgot know, to send you is people who wear headphones to a group run. Like, what is the point of running with people if you're going to wear headphones? Yeah. Uh, if it's a stranger, 100% agree. Otherwise, like, I talk everybody's ear off, and, and I tend to, like, talk the most on long runs because I don't like the silence. Uh, showing up late to a run. I did not. This was not my submission. Amanda, this is not pointed at you, but maybe you should be on time once in a while. Sorry, not sorry. She was the first person I thought. <laughs> People with no sense of personal awareness at the park, 100%. Um, you need to pay attention to where people are. Do not run into people. Make sure you're not running more than two across at the park. It is not just you out there. Dogs on retractable leashes. 100% agree. Or dogs in general. Well, dogs is like the track. The other day I went to the <gasps> Northside High School track. track. Yeah. There was this older couple like in their bathrobes walking their dogs around the track. And I mean, I get that it's a community park and people in the community community use it as they please i have no problem with the people like walking around the track every day when i'm doing my workouts but like why why must you walk your dog around the track agree but uh with the retractable leashes like if you're out in the long run which i've had happen to me and actually like people around my apartment complex like just let their actually this morning i was out on a run and there was somebody with two dogs on a leash and there was somebody coming towards us with three dogs, and two of the three dogs were not on leashes. And the person with the two dogs on a leash, like, didn't know what to do because the other dogs were, like, going. I honestly thought this dog was going to chase me because dogs always chase after runners. Um, but retractable leashes are the worst because most people do not stop the dog until the mm-hmm. leash gets to as long as it goes. And by that point, like, you're toast. Yeah. Um, hey, I used, I did used to have a retractable leash for one of my dogs, but I threw it away. Yeah, for the record, Vicky and I are both dog lovers. This is Again, not an anti-dog oh, I have, segment. I have two dogs. They're both assholes, and I would never take them around people, especially not runners. Uh, but control your dogs out in public. Exactly. Uh, somebody said, grumpy people not saying good morning back, especially when they're not wearing headphones, which I agree with. Like, yeah. As friendly as the Houston running community is, there's a surprising amount of people who will not wave yeah. or nod or say hello when you pass them. That was something that was hard for me to get used to when I moved back from New York because in New York, nobody says hi to you. So I even still, like I've been back in Houston for like 11 oh, wow. years now <laughs> and I'm still usually the second person to say hello. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, right. But you still say it. Yeah. So like 
if I say hello to somebody and they don't answer me, I'm like, well, fuck you too. <laughs> um, oh, I 100% agree with that you don't look like a runner comments when <sighs> referring to body type. If, if you run, you're a runner. I don't give a fuck what you look like. If if you run, like, good for you, you're a runner. There's there's nothing else to say. <laughs> when a faster runner tries to mansplain how to run better thousand percent best example i can think of is the story that went viral about molly Seidel oh, yeah. when she was on a plane and some guy she was like oh you're a runner and he tried to tell her how to run better by showing her he had like deconstructed her own strava runs to tell her why she needed to run more mileage, and he had no idea who she was. I forget. Did she have? Did she say? Did she have a map on that on that thing? I believe she did. Okay. So because maybe, this was still COVID, and so he yeah. didn't know it was her, and she didn't tell him, which I wouldn't have either, because yeah. who wants to have that conversation? Yeah. But thousand percent. I hope he figured it out later and was. I mean, once it went viral, I I can't imagine he didn't figure it out, uh, and I would have loved to have seen his reaction. Um. People running on the wrong side of the road with traffic instead of into it. Mm-hmm. I mostly agree with this. There are occasions where I run with traffic instead of into it, just depending on what street I'm on. Yeah. But generally, if I'm running with traffic, it's on a road where there's a bike lane. Yeah. Although I run a lot down Wesleyan, which has a bike lane, but I would really appreciate it if they would repaint those lines because they're not really there. Yeah. But it's well, the bike lane still there. conversation, but Houston is definitely not bike friendly city no and i don't know if you noticed i know you voted early and i voted early too there was some proposition in there about spending some significant amount of money for recreational facilities and something they mentioned was bike lanes so i voted for that (laughs) (laughs) uneven sidewalks 1000 (laughs) percent agree and anyway yeah it was probably the worst decision ever when i made our 22 mile route to like follow the Houston Marathon route when we had to be on sidewalks for most of it, my feet hurt so bad by the I'm end of it. I'm so of that. sorry. That's my fault. No, it's totally not your fault. Well, you didn't I mean, destroy the sidewalks. I did not destroy the sidewalks, but you were only going to run 20 miles, and you decided to run 22 because I needed. It. No, I, I think I was going to run 22. Oh, I didn't think you had a 22 yeah. in your. No, schedule. like mentally, I would rather run 22. Okay. Racing right to the marathon. 12 foot trail, and people don't share the trail. 100 percent agree. 12-foot trail and people are running the opposite way in front of you and don't move. Also agree, depending on if you're on the right or the wrong side. Uh, randoms who try to race you while you're on a run. Yeah. Yes, I hate that. Once again, if, what do you have to prove when I'm running at 10 right. pace? <laughs> if I pass you while I'm running at a 9.30 and you decide I'm not allowed to pass you and so you speed up, like, like, why? What? Why? Just run your own pace and leave me alone. Especially if I'm a single woman alone and you're a man. Like, go away. It's like when you drive. Like, did you notice as a female, if you're driving and you pass a guy because he's going too slow and then he looks over and he sees you and he's like, oh, now I need to speed up? Go away. Uh, what else? When, oh, <laughs> we've already discussed this but when groups run three plus across and don't move out of the way mm-hmm. uh, I don't 
necessarily agree with this one. Let the slower people start an hour earlier. Now, they didn't give context, but this comment from the same person popped up again somewhere else. Um, so it's my understanding that they are specifically talking about Houston Marathon Race Weekend. And so if I would have to guess, I'm assuming that this is someone who would not meet the six-hour time cutoff. And while I understand where they're coming from, I disagree. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind when he told me about that one was like the scene from The Lion King with the stampede. <laughs> it makes no sense to well, me. Right. Like the running club that I used to belong to before I joined the Harriers used to start slower groups first. Uh-huh. And the faster people would always come up on them and pass them. And it just right. like a lot of congestion. It doesn't make sense. Well, to me. and for the Houston Marathon, the time cutoff is what it is because that's the longest they're allowed to have the roads closed. And so, like, from when the last person crosses, there is a six-hour time limit for when they can have the roads closed. And it's based on a variety of factors that have nothing to do with the marathon. It's based on police presence. It's based on the roads being closed on a Sunday. Like, it's just there's a variety of factors that have nothing to do with runners. And, I mean, quite honestly, I'm sorry that you think you may not make that time cutoff, but... There are marathons with longer time cutoffs. I know that USA Fit started their own marathon. I think it's in February specifically mm-hmm. to have a longer course time limit. Um, you you really just can't keep specifically downtown Houston closed that long. It's not going to happen. And letting you start earlier as a slower runner is going to fuck with the faster people. They're going to have to leapfrog and... And honestly, it would interfere with filming of the elites. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why there aren't as many cameras on the women, which is a huge topic of contention, which came up recently when Chicago had their marathon. I can't believe Chicago didn't improve on that majorly after last year. Look, I I agree. Yeah. But I also understand how hard it is. Yeah. Um, it's something that Ironman recently, you know, when they had their championships this year, the women ran on one day and the men ran on another because the men are out front and they're alone. If the men start first, they're alone. There's no crowd to be aware of. There's nothing that can interfere with their drivers. They've got big trucks. And when the women run, they have to deal with the men at the back of the elite pack. And it's something that the camera crew has to be like constantly aware of. And these, I'm not, yes, there's smaller TV stations in the aspect that it's, it's a regional, like Chicago's NBC and Houston's ABC. So they're not, it's not a major. They're not going to spend the money they need to outfit a motorcycle with the equipment that would be necessary to follow the leaders the entire time. It's very, very expensive. And so while I think it sucks from a financial aspect, I get it. Yeah. And I can understand all of that, but I think like even the general commentary on the races could be a lot better. Like I couldn't believe this year Houston ABC had Des Linden available uh-huh. for commentary. Yes. They didn't bring her on until like the last hour or whatever. And I heard that the coverage was terrible, like leading up to that. Like if you have someone like that, bring them on for the entire right. thing. Right. I didn't. 
I'm not even sure I recorded this Houston Houston this year. I definitely did not go back and watch it, and I was running, so I didn't see it. Um, as someone who used to provide those commentators with all of the facts they needed to comment to like do live commentary on the race, I get it. Um, if Des didn't speak until the last third of the race, there's no reason for that. She should have. She is knowledgeable about everything. She can speak to every part of the race, being a competitive marathoner and an elite herself. I don't understand why they wouldn't have brought her on. Um, I know that John Warren does a lot of local commentary for the elites as the head coach of Rice. He does have a fairly decent perspective from his viewpoint. But if Des was there... There's no reason she shouldn't have been commentating the whole race. I know when they brought Kara Galcher in, I'm fairly certain she spoke for the majority of the race. So if they had Des, there's no reason that should have been the same thing. Yeah. Hopefully it's better this year. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I will have to remember to DVR it. And, I mean, I always go back and watch the races if I actually have them on DVR. I'm very, very excited for New York because they just announced that they're – elite coverage will happen for free in their marathon app. I saw that too. Like that'll be, that'll be really cool. Like Omar can be like following that. I'm very, very interested to see what that looks like. Cause nobody's yeah. ever done it. And I mean, not to be like Debbie Downer, but now Chicago, I could watch, I watched it on Peacock because it was on the local NBC and then they put it on their Peacock app, which I get, they're not going to show it on local NBC in Houston because it's Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Berlin and London I mean I never bother following those lives because they're look, in the middle of the night for us. that's true and I there I mean I had I think I set an alarm to watch Berlin and I like I didn't wake up yeah and then London I don't think I watched I well I couldn't because like God love them they were on flow track and mm-hmm. I do not pay yeah for flow track and I don't be wrong. I understand the subscription. There's a lot of shit you have to pay for. I will never complain about New York Times and LA Times and Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post being behind a subscription. You need to pay for content. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like, they can't afford to produce it. The um, people producing that content need to earn a living, too. A hundred percent. And I agree with that. A, th- a thousand percent. Um, and I pay for a lot of those uh whatever that I just mentioned, but me too, uh, even working in the industry, I don't get any of that stuff for free. That sucks. <laughs> um but I just I don't unfortunately pay for flow track and so I couldn't see them and that was pretty disappointing. I remember waking up and I I went to my I follow a lot, shockingly, <laughs> running commentary on twitter and so i went back and like scrolled through what the race looked like but i didn't get to see them live because i don't pay for flow track yeah <laughs> do you think that i mean i know kira damato's american record has since fallen since she said it in houston uh-huh do you think it'll still draw more elite americans to run the houston marathon to run the full i think it can Houston is definitely a course where that's achievable, obviously, because Kira did it here. Um, it's very flat. It's very fast. I fucking hate that overpass bridge thing that they made me run. Which one? The one on West Park? Yes. 
Yeah. I found that it only West Park is. I feel like it, that's the only real hill. Oh, a hundred percent. Allen Parkway is also. It's really not that bad. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, around. like Allen Parkway sucks because it's the end of the race, but I don't count that yeah. as a big hill. But let me just say, I've run the Houston the full eight times now, mm-hmm. and most of those have been terribly executed. And I think that West Park and Allen Parkway only suck. If you've gone out too fast uh-huh. and you've already blown up by them, if you run a smart race, okay, well, notice those I don't think all. I necessarily went out too. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. I went out no, too I wasn't fast, saying but that like, at I all. Sh- but I feel like a lot of people complain about them, and I think no, like no, that's no, no, ultimately no. I get you. Stuff. I totally blew up though. Like I was dead by the time I hit Elm Park where I wanted to die. Yeah. Uh, well, but also I don't my my I was deathly afraid that I had fried my iPhone because my music just turned off at mile twenty. Which thankfully was where some of the music started picking up on on Memorial. But I had been on that one long run. I must have been our twenty miler that I ran with you, where yeah, I had my phone in my pocket and I clicked the buttons. Like the buttons were just clicking in my sports bra so many times that like I had to plug in to physically reset my iPhone. It it wasn't like the wait fifteen minutes, wait thirty minutes to reset. It was like you need to physically connect to iTunes to reset. And so I, um, when I hit 20 and everything shut off, I was like, Oh my God, like I don't have my laptop in the hotel. I'm not planning to go home for at least 10 hours. Like I need my phone. And I don't remember what happened, but it wasn't that my music just stopped working. Um, but Without music, thankfully there were people out on Memorial because it would have been a death yeah. march. I love that stretch on Memorial where they have like the speakers on the trees. No, okay. I feel like Houston is such a huge race. Like there's, I feel like there's spectators like all the way around, all the way from start to finish, and they have like Most. bands and they have like the speakers playing music. I feel like you now, really don't need music. Having never run Houston before and having written a lot about it as somebody who worked there, my experience was not what I would have thought it would have been having heard from the people who work there. And I think that's mainly because they talked about the race every year in the context of what it was like to run the trials and the trials was a different course. Like as far as like course participation and course support was concerned. Okay. You know, like interesting because I feel like, I mean, so many people came to watch the trials in Atlanta from all over the country. And I w- came out to watch the trials when they had them in Houston in 2012. And I feel like most of the city, like, wasn't even aware that it was even happening. I, I, well, and I wasn't here yet, but I would, I, knowing Houston, I would agree with that. Um, but when I worked at Houston, we talked about the marathon course support in terms of 250,000 people out there cheering. Um and I would not agree with that. I wouldn't think <laughs> <laughs> for the marathon, not seeing the trials. Yeah, I'm sh- maybe that was accurate, but not for the actual. No, I wouldn't agree with that for the marathon. Were you still working for NBC? I was at NBC for the trial, so okay. I worked. That's, I'm surprised that you weren't. Here well, for so that okay, that's that's a longer story. I was at NBC Olympics from. April of 2011 through the London games and the trials obviously were in January of 2012 and it was very up in the air until the last minute, whether or not there was even going to be live coverage of the trials 
And was there? I honestly don't remember. I don't think that there was. There was a live stream, I believe. Yeah. So there was. Anyway, I'm not sure. But there was. It was myself and Joe Battaglia at NBC. And love Joe. He's actually the one who got me the job at NBC. Um, I had worked with him while I was at USA Track and Field. Um, he's actually now at Flow Track or Flow Sports because they've evolved and are a much larger organization than they were when they started. Um, he went to Houston for the trials, um, which is another story in and of itself. But so, like, initially we were both supposed to go, and then it was just him. Um, and so he covered Houston, and I wasn't here for that. Any thoughts on what's happening with the trials for 2024? Um, honestly, off the top of my head, I can't even remember what cities. It's so far. It, it sounds like the only two that are in contention are Chattanooga, Tennessee, Chattanooga, I want to say Nashville. And I um, hope if it's between those two, I would hope it's Chattanooga. I was gonna like, say, like, where I, are they gonna run in Orlando? Are they gonna have the trials? Well, but like, world? even if they run in Orlando, like, it's also likely to is be it very gonna, hot. Right, exactly. Like the wet. Not even the temperature, but the humidity, like, no. Yeah. So I do hope it's Chattanooga if it's between those two cities. Um, no real commentary because, I mean, at this point, look, there's no, there's no upside. The, the host city, it's the local organizing committee has to spend a ridiculous amount of money USA Track and Field puts in very little of their own money. Um, and the positives that you get from hosting it don't outweigh the negatives of the financial responsibility. I know that there was a study. They, I can't remember what it's called. Basically, the study to see what the financial impact of an event on the city is. Um, the Houston Marathon, to my knowledge, has not done one since they hosted the trials and they said that the financial impact of hosting, now they said the Houston Marathon, but this was the weekend they hosted the marathon and the trials, was something like a positive financial impact on the city of $52 million. Um, but that's on the city. That's got nothing to do with the actual marathon. And so the marathon doesn't recoup the money they pay. Significant out of pocket. Like I told you what the local elites get. So think about all of the, marathon trials qualifiers getting that and do they still have an a and a b or is it just an a qualifier for the trials they had both in atlanta that's so yeah i think it went back because molly seidel was in the b i want to say for london maybe they only had an a and then they went back to an a and b i could be wrong i don't remember at some point there was an only an a for something but anyway like if you're an a you get everything for free and the LOC has to pay for that. And if you're a B, maybe you get some, you have to pay for some. What it's very split. The local organizing committee. So the Houston Marathon Committee yeah. or the Harris County Houston Sports Authority, depending on who the actual LOC was. Um, but you spend so much money and the city gets a lot out of that. All of the people who come in to watch and they spend money on hotels and they spend many spend money on food and they spend money on transportation. But the majority of those people are not also registering for the Houston marathon. Mm -hmm. So like the marathon financially gets 
very little out of it. They just spend a boatload of money to host it. Yeah. Well, I think it was kind of a missed opportunity for this marathon to not build up more hype around it because I mean, I came out and watched it. I a hundred percent agree. And, and I wasn't here for that. So I don't know what it looked like, but um, I have some thoughts, which I will tell you off. <laughs> well, was there anything else you wanted to cover on this comeback episode? We've talked so much. Shockingly less than the last time <laughs> I we know. talked. When we did your episode, it was like two hours. Yeah. I know. Um, no, I think that's it for now. Um, hopefully my running continues to get better. And my doctor tells me there's nothing wrong with me. And I'm just an idiot and like eat better and you'll feel better. Yeah. Um, although I think sure I eat well. fairly well. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but no. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to add that I thought it was really fun to do the segment at the end with people contributing what their runner pet peeves were. I agree. So that I think fun. we should do more of that. We, All right. We can I brainstorm will, other questions. I will try to figure out <laughs> other, other questions we can answer or we can ask people for them to answer. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me for this conversation. Thank you for being here. And hopefully we will see you in another week after I figure out my next guest. Yay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right. So we're going to have a late addition add to this episode. Yesterday I spoke with Amelia Benton and she kind of recapped where I specifically am in my current running journey. And we talked about a few other things. And one of those things was the fact that the Houston Half Marathon, which was today on Sunday, October 30th, um, announced a new course four days before the race, um, which was I mean, if you look back, it's not surprising, but the fact that they announced four days before the race was a little nuts. Um, and so I have Sarah Hudgens here with me, who paced the 145 group, um, to find out what the race looked like. Sarah, tell me what that was like for you today. How was the race? Um, well, first of all, sorry, I'm pulling up my Strava here because I was need to reference that. Um, so yeah, the as Vicky stated, the course was changed, you know, just middle of the week last week, went to a two loop. Um, email stated that they said that they had been closely working with the city of Houston, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that there's like a big part of me and other people um, who definitely believe that, you know, we knew this quite a bit of time, um, you know, and just kept it secret. Um, for me, as somebody who is pacing and not racing, I wasn't like too super bothered by it. Um, but at the same time, I also knew that it would present like a whole different set of challenges because it's original course. You still on the way back when you're getting back on Allen Parkway, when you turn left, like off Shepherd, you still end up hitting like 10K runners. And so the last like couple miles ends up being congested. And so because this also included the 10K race and then, you know, two loops for the half, I was like, oh, this is going to be like just a wreck. And so yeah, at the same, the course, the two loop course didn't bother me, but at the same time I knew it was going to be congested, um, hard to pace, you know, hard to keep a group together and people that are racing, like I knew that that would just present some issues. Um, so, so what was the start like? So, I mean, I'm assuming that everybody lined up as normal. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So they announced the course, yep. they showed this new course map. Yep. Um, but from what I understand, the race did not follow what the course map said was going to happen. So what what was that? Yeah, correct. So the course map, if you looked at it, the one they sent, I think, on like on Wednesday or something like that, Thursday maybe, had the start line going westbound. So we start 
in the normal spot at Sam Houston Park and we're going west down Allen Parkway as to where that's completely backwards from what the normal start is. The normal start has you, you know, headed east downtown a little bit and then you take a right and you head into Midtown. And so I got into the corral thinking that like, okay, we're going to be heading west because the map they sent out showed that for the first loop and the second loop was when they had us going through downtown. And I was like, okay, my brain, I was like, this is a little weird, but whatever. And when I got into the corral, we were facing the normal direction and I was talking to my partner, Adam, and he, he was like, oh yeah, their course map was wrong. Like they're actually going this way. And so I was like, oh, fabulous. I mean, again, whatever, but just another logistical, you know, issue that it's like, okay, if you're going to change the course, can you at least possibly send out like the correct map to go along with it? And they, they did say it was a certified half. And, um, I just, I don't think that that was true. Well, and so, I mean, we haven't gotten to the end of the race yet, but we might as well skip ahead and we can come back to what, again, the race looked like. But I mean, I follow a lot of runners in the Houston community and I know you do too. And so everybody has been posting, you know, most people just post their times a lot of times when they do a race, but everybody is posting their, um, you know, you see, they'll post their watch. And so yeah. you can see what distance they, and I am the first person because that was the number one question we got when I worked at the Houston Marathon was my watch said 13.4 yeah. or we said 26.5. Your course is wrong. Yeah. And 99.9% of the time, that's not true. Yeah. Um, you run downtown, that affects you. Cloud coverage affects GPS, mm-hmm. all of those things. Yeah. This was different. Mm-hmm. I did not see anybody who ran the half marathon whose whose mark was under 13.5. Yeah. And I saw all the way up to 13.8. Yeah. Like I can get on board with an additional quarter of a mile, even up to 0.3. And that accounts for all of those abnormalities. But from what I understand, this course was a half a mile long, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah. and something to note since we started recording in the last five minutes, <laughs> um, did somebody send me a screenshot of the Houston half marathon responding to something, which it looks like is on Facebook. Ooh. I don't have the full screenshot, but they're responding to somebody's comment, which it sounds like is about the course being long. And they said, this subject comes up every year, but the course was indeed certified just last week. Here's a great primer and a very short read as to why your watch doesn't quite match the certifier's oh, distance. No. That's an excuse for up to 0.3. Agreed. I mean, I could even maybe go so far as to say 0.35. Yeah. Nobody runs the tangents. Right. And especially in a course like this, yeah. with the double loop and the 10K, yeah. we're bobbing and weaving. Yeah. But somebody whose watch said 13.8, there's yeah. no fucking way. No, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, I, um, I'm with you on that. Like, I've paced halves now for, I think since 2011 or 2012 and mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're exactly correct. The you're, you're not going to run 13 one. I feel like the only people that I ever see if they have data the for me to see are the pros. Yeah. Or the people that are literally following the line, they're following the motorcycle, whatever. They're the ones that are running 13.11 and 26.22 you know, and whatever. And so for us as pacers, like we, we take that into account constantly. Like, yes, a 145 is eight minute pace, but I know that we can't go running minute pace. We need to run, at least 754s to account for, you know, 13.3, 13.34 or something like that. Like I'm pretty lucky if I'm getting like 13.25. And so this morning 
I'm used to my watch not working downtown, but I actually don't think that my watch was glitching downtown. Like you can even see on the map, like it wasn't all over the place and Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting strange reads of super slow or super fast or whatever. Um, but I will say there were no mile markers until we had made it all the way through downtown and into midtown and then back through downtown and then getting on Allen Parkway. There wasn't a mile marker until mile three. And I need to see when I'm downtown, I need to see like where I'm at because I don't know if the GPS is correct. So I I like to lack my watch. Well, that's not normal for them, right? If I remember correctly, there's usually a mile marker every Every single mile. mile. Yes. If not a clock with that mile mark. Now, I don't think they have clocks every mile, but there was always a mile marker. There was always a mile marker because I know exactly where the mile marker is downtown. (laughs) Like I know where it is and I know where the two mile is as well. Like. I know where these things were and they weren't there. And it was pretty frustrating because I didn't really know if my watch was, you know, maybe even mildly off. So there wasn't a first flag until we hit mile three. And my watch was literally at three, two, five. We were at mile three. And I was like, okay, uh, I was like, this is way wrong. Like, there's no way that we can be this early in and be this far ahead. Right. And so we didn't have another mile flag until we hit mile five, which was the turnaround at Dietering. And randomly mile five, I think there was a four actually, to be honest with you. I think think there was a four, but the, from four to five was like 0.8 miles. It was like ridiculous. I I lapped it. I think you can see, like I lapped it. So I think mile five, the mile five flag was like spot on. I was like 5.01 and I was like, okay, maybe yeah I was like back on pace like maybe this is going to end up being fine you know maybe we're not this far ahead and honestly I kind of felt like I was floating in like no man's land from then until the finish line because after that the flags were like pretty sparse there was one I know at mile eight when we had made the turnaround um again the turnaround over the curb by the way oh yeah I'll talk about that later okay um And then I didn't see, I don't think I saw another flag. I know I didn't see a 10 or anything like that. And I didn't see a flag until I hit mile 12 and my watch had us at 12-2. And I was like, okay, if we can, if this is truly correct and we are 1.1 miles away, then that's fine. Cause we'll be at 13-3, you know, and 13-3 is, is normal. That's fine. Like Mm -hmm. I'm okay with 13-3 and, but if we, I hit 13, one on my watch and we hadn't even like nearly crossed under 45 yet. And you know, once you cross under 45, you actually have a little bit decent to go. Like right. you can't even see the finish line right. when you hit 45. Cause you like curve around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So my watch ended up, I think I was like 13, six, one or something, um, is where I ended up hitting. And I know, yes, 13, three is fine. 13, two, five is fine. 13, six, one and above is not suspect. correct. Yes, definitely suspect. So I think we ended up at like 146.51 and my my partner and I were like, there's not a whole lot like we can do about that. We li- literally stayed on pace the whole time. We ran very consistent splits and I crossed the finish line and went and talked to the 135 guys because they were standing there and they were at like 137 and said the same thing. And then I ran into a guy that ran 140 and he was like, yeah, it was like super consistent. And I was like 142 and, and, yeah, super common theme. I they can't use that excuse. That is their answer today. I, do you think the missing mile markers were part of the discrepancy on how the course was supposed to go? Like if you were supposed to go one way, but you actually ended up starting another, they probably didn't know where the mile markers were supposed to be. That's that's my thought. Yeah. I think that they didn't know where they're at. Because you know how a lot of the times, like when you're running 
like a, ro- a road race, a marathon, they mm-hmm. have like spray paint. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Like you can always see it on the concrete and right. it'll say like mile three. Right. And they know that that's where they have to put the flag up. I didn't see any of that stuff today. And okay. normally you do see those. I, I think you're right. I don't think they knew where to put the flags. Now, so when you certify a course, it needs to be USA Track and Field certified, which mm-hmm. now granted I worked for USA Track and Field, but know very little about the certification process. Yeah. I do know that there are not a large number of people who can certify right. a course. Yep. Um, they said it was just certified last week, which again is, I mean, I don't want to say suspect. I appreciate that they said they got it certified. Yeah. Uh, let's be clear. They knew that they were going to have to change this course and they knew a long time ago. Oh yeah. Anybody absolutely. who's been on Memorial knew that that construction was not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, but the certification, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's only one man in this area who can certify courses. Um, I would be really interested in talking to him to see what that looked like and to see if they ran the course the way they were supposed to. Well, I don't... Is it online? We can look it up later. The guy who certified the course? No, or you, the can, actual... you can find the courses online. Is yeah, well, and they posted a picture of the certified oh, map, I which I that. haven't looked at. I think they ended up putting it on their website, I want to say Friday. Oh, okay. Um, and, it, I mean, you know how their website works. Once yeah. race day hits, you, like it takes yeah. 10 minutes for anything to refresh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that... I think that there, so the turnaround for the half marathon, the twice that we did a turnaround was at Dietering, okay. you know, just ahead of just, just a little bit before that Starbucks right. Memorial. Uh huh. And prior to that turnaround, it's just all fencing along like that Memorial stretch that we're right. on. So I definitely don't think that there is a way or would have been a way for us to make a U-turn before that. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like. But at the same time, like, okay, can you pull the finish line up some, you Uh know, like move the finish back closer to Sabine. Right. You know what I mean? But then, you know, it's like, could they not do that? Because are they looking for the same finish line for the 10K people? Like, I don't have any, I don't know. I don't have any idea. Right. I mean, they they changed the half course and and both courses are set so that they have the same finish line. Obviously, if you have two races at the same time, you don't, you basically can't have. I mean, you can, but it would be really confusing to have two finish lines. Nobody would know which one they needed to stop at, timing mats, all of that jazz. It would would be a lot. Yeah. And so, but you do, I mean, that's what makes it hard. I, You know, that stretch of Memorial, it's not just fencing that they put up. There's permanent fencing down Memorial. No, it's permanent fencing. You can't just jump wherever you want. Right. I think that was unavoidable, but like, so the course law? You you change the start and you, oh, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not two starts yeah. is better than two finishes. It's Agreed. definitely possible. It's probably not something. I mean, I don't want to say they didn't consider it because I don't know. I'm not part of the organization, but having and especially since the races don't start at the same time, yeah. I found out the hard way. I yeah. registered for the 10K <laughs> one year, expecting to start with a half marathon. They were like, "No, you don't start for yeah, half an hour." And I was like, "Oh shit." Yeah. Um, but. No, yeah. they could have had two star lines, which would have been able to account for that time. Yeah, or that, that's that true. Distance. That's fair. I didn't even consider like switching but to start. Talk to me about the U-turn with the curb. <laughs> I need more information. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the the two loop course, obviously, we went up to Dietering, made a U-turn. It was a wide enough turn, like that was no big deal. Okay. It was like obviously like a ninety degree turn, but whatever. So then you get back down Allen Parkway and you literally turn like when basically Allen Parkway hits underneath 45. And so, you know, they're like, stay right, stay right. Cause people that were finishing the 10 K were going 
left into the finish. And like the closer I get, I'm like, you have got to be shitting me. Like we are literally going up and over like a median. That's what we're doing. We're going over a median. And so basically like the permanent fencing that's there at Allen Parkway ended and there was like spray paint on the ground to like spray paint, you know, you, you turn around. But if you looked like another 10 feet, 15 feet up, there was essentially like carpet that, you know, you could go and, and cross over if you wanted to. And everybody in front of me was just, you know, cutting up and over like as soon as you can, which I'm like, really, we're literally crossing over a curb right now in granted carpet, like, okay, car- fine, great. But it was not like the legit ramp. And Again, for me, I'm like, this is not a huge deal for me. Right. But I know that in general, it's not okay. Well, okay. So, I mean, the first thing that springs to mind, somebody told me, you know, they ran the half and they were in like, say the 210 range, Mm -hmm. um, out there using it as a long run. Mm -hmm. They were in a crowd. It was very congested the Mm -hmm. whole time at that pace. And she was next to a hand cyclist for a specific period of time. And it was, you know, he couldn't get out of there. There was no way for him to maneuver the crowds. Nope. Yep. I can't even imagine what it was like for somebody like that. Once they got to a curb, yeah. like for me as an able-bodied runner, like curbs fucking suck, yeah. but I mean, I can do it. It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. But if you're in a wheelchair, if you have prosthetic legs, yep. like, oh yeah, that's not, it's not a good look it's to not, not look. take those athletes into account no. when, when you, when you do that to your course. I think that they should have. I mean, assuming, assuming that they knew that this was coming, right? which like I said, I definitely think that they had to have known that like this construction moral park is not new. No. Um, I think that they should have had a legit ramp like they do for the 10 K turnaround. Like, right. you know what that, you know what that ramp looks like? You go it's up big. and right. And it's over. a big ramp and that sucks too, but it's better than a curb. It's better than a curb. And the curb was like, it was thin. Like, you know, you have space when you make that 10 K turnaround and here it was literally just like. real quick turnaround, like literally over the median. And and I did not go to the carpet. I'm like, I'm not going 10 more feet. I'm going to turn right here. But yeah, like they they definitely don't have that option. No. Yeah. Like the hand cyclists and things like that, the people in wheelchairs. And then, I mean, like you said, with prosthetic legs, like it's easy to trip. And there was a good, good solid amount of um, visually impaired runners. And like that presents difficulty like, you know, when you're the guide, you constantly, or you're constantly speaking to them anyway, you know, crack, step up, turn left, we're curving down or, you know, a little uphill, whatever. But mm-hmm. then it's like really a curb. Like you're going to have somebody go like up and over something. And like, you or, basically or have to stop. You do. And like, even if they were going to go up the carpet, like, I still don't think I would trust that footing. Like I would definitely still be telling my runner, like, you know, keep your feet up. Like we're going up. Right. Um, yeah. Just not, and not an okay turnaround. Like not not a world-class like turnaround at all. Um, uh, the, the turnaround at Dietering is, was no problem. It's just like a, a regular, you turn at a stoplight, right? Like who cares that, I mean, yeah, it sucks because you're making a 90 degree turn twice, but like, whatever it, you have space, but this was just literally like small up over a median and Allen Parkway and background. I just not really appropriate. So so I was part of the 145 group last year with yeah. you, and it's not a small group. No. So what did that look like on your second loop? How much bobbing and weaving, and what did the crowds look oh, like? It was huge. We had a big group this year. Like, we had a big group from the start this mm-hmm. year. Um, this year, I definitely think had more runners than last year, too, by okay. the way. Um, I'll have to ask Amelia if she feels the same way, just from spectating purposes or mm-hmm. her standpoint. But huge, huge group from the beginning. 
loop one, obviously no big deal. Um, coming in to finishing up loop one, you know, you start hitting the 10K people, but not that bad. Make the turnaround. And it's just like, I mean, I don't want to say a wall. A wall of people is like too excessive, but like what would be one step less than like a wall of people? Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to my partner and I was like, I'm essentially just going to attempt to like run straight as best I can. Like, I don't want to bob and weave like, and I don't want people that are in the group trying to bob and weave. I was like, so I'm just going to try to run straight. If that means I have to run between two runners, like that's what I'm going to do. And he did the same. And I mean, it was a wreck. There were like a good handful of times where like, I almost went right into the back of someone like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like shoulder checking people and like apologizing for it. And like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And um, I mean, there were, there was one time where we came up on, a uh, wheelchair guy mm-hmm. and he had somebody with him um running and it, I just felt terrible because it's like our group just like swallows, swallows him you know our group just like completely swallowed him and not, I mean like on top of the already bazillion people that were already there around and we thought there we thought there would be like a little bit of relief when the 10k people turn around right before Shepard And it honestly didn't offer that much relief because we were picking up people that were running the halves at like much different paces because this is one of the only halves. I I don't know that I know of any other halves that keep the course open this long. Do you? How long is their course open? I don't know how long it's open, but like I know that we have up to a 3.30 pace team. Okay. Well, I... I don't know typically how long courses are open. I know, for instance, that the court, that the race in January... The marathon is open for six hours yeah. and they cut the half marathon. I believe it's a four hour cut. Okay. Okay. Maybe this is four. I'm not, but I don't it's know. It's different because you come in the same. And so if the yeah. marathon's open, the half right. is open. Right. There's a time limit for official yeah. finishes. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But. Well, we started picking up people from like those later on pace groups. Like we were, and I mean, and obviously there's people that were like behind those pace groups as well. And we picked up the 330 pace group before we even got back on Allen Parkway Mm -hmm. and you know, and then by that time we're hundred meters away from the 10 K turnaround. And it is just a total disaster, just a disaster. Like I am thankful that I wasn't racing, Mm -hmm. you know, but like everybody in my group was, you know, they're racing. I had men with me. that were like, I'm going to PR, like I'm going to PR no matter what, you know, they were saying like they were going to PR, even if we were, you know, like, going to be long or whatever. He was like, I've already PR'd. And, 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 you know, and I just felt terrible. I mean, like thinking about the girls, like, like yelling at Melissa running by and stuff. Like, I'm like, shit, like she's racing and like Mm -hmm. having to dodge this. And you know what I mean? It was just not, not a great. Well, and so something that Amelia and I talked about, whether it was on the podcast or offline, I honestly can't remember because I haven't edited that (laughs) portion yet. Um, was that, I mean, I kind of think that one of the reasons that they did not announce the course change to a double loop course was because they didn't think people would come. Right. So if you're saying that this group now, yes, last year was closer to COVID. Right. um, Than this year. Right. And so the group was smaller. If this group was larger, I realize as a pacer, you're on the inside, but you're not really on the inside. Yeah. I don't know. And so you don't have that insight, but personally, do you think that could have been one of the reasons why they, they didn't announce so long because they didn't want people to not run? Yes. Yes. I mean, like I had conversations with people on Friday that, I mean, like one guy, like literally flat out told me, he was like, 
I'm not, I don't think I'm going to come. And then like another guy had originally had tickets for the Astros game last night <laughs> and sold those because of the half. Stop. Yeah. He sold. I'd be so mad. St- sold them because of the half this morning. And then like, I didn't get tickets to last night's game on purpose because I knew I had you, the half. Cause like I had I mean, I mean, not for nothing. When not you sh- showed up to last year's. <laughs> It was after a Halloween party. I have learned my lesson. Okay. Okay. I did. I was totally sober today. Just to live right now. (laughs) Last year, that was not the case. And she was still an amazing pacer. And I wanted to basically punch her in the face when she sprinted ahead to use the bathroom and then join the group back up like nothing had happened. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. But anyway, long story (laughs) short, I was drunk last year. This year, I was sober. Thankfully, um, I made good choices. Sorry, the Houston half. You listen to this. Sarah will be sober forever (laughs) forward. Um, But yeah, I mean, I had, I had, I know one guy literally said like, okay, I'm not coming. And then another guy was like, if I would have known like this was going to be it, like I would like have just gone ahead and gone to the Astros. And um, I mean, I guess at least if you sold your Astros tickets, you made a decent amount of money. Oh yeah, I think they did. I think they did. Um, But I think, I mean, I think that people just, when they probably saw the email, probably like put their faith and trust into it and were like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know? Um, But I think that if, I think that if this had been like a public announcement a while back, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people- It would have changed. It would have changed. Well, so, okay, that's something, Amelia and I didn't really get into this, but having worked in communications in a variety of organizations, including marathons and track and field, um, communication does not seem to be the strong suit of the October Houston half. Mm-hmm. When did you find out that they had moved their packet pickup? I literally, I don't even know. Like I, maybe a week ago, maybe. And, and was it from them or did you see somebody else post about I it? I saw somebody else post about it. And I also saw somebody else post that said, we we're supposed to go in and click a time. Mm-hmm. And I like literally commented back on it. And I was like, where do you see that? Like, where's this <laughs> link? Because I don't see it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just in really tiny I writing. I was Daniel like, Barron in the Harriers group. Yeah, yeah, that was like Thursday. Yeah, that was Thursday. I, yeah. I, but, but so the thing is, though, is that their email they sent with like the your bib number and stuff, like had all these screenshots of like your registration page. And I did not pay attention to it because I was like, what is that? Apparently those screenshots were what we were supposed to follow to like choose our pickup time. Oh boy. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, they moved it to Carbock and they were asking for slots and the spot that was like absolutely not like made. And I, I told you, I was like, I will, I am an email reader. Like right. I read work emails completely. I right. read race emails like completely. Yeah. You need to know. Yeah, I, I am not a person that typically, like, skims things. And I was, like, I had no clue that mm-hmm. I was supposed to go pick up a slot. And, yeah, I don't know. Is Carbox, is Carbox, they are a sponsor. I believe they are a sponsor. Well, and that was, well, okay, so, I mean, they've never had the strongest <laughs> expo, which. No, never. Is understandable. I don't mean to bash the race. I actually love this race. I like it, I too. have a great time. Yeah. Of course, when it's the normal course, yes. it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's a great tune-up for the marathon. Um, It's not. But it's not a true expo. No. But, so now that it was at Carbach, was there basically no expo? It was no. just a packet pickup. There were literally two tents behind us. One tent was, I don't know, like maybe some running stuff. And I honestly don't know what the other one was. <laughs> maybe it was just one big tent. I'm not quite sure. Right. It was all it was was like just a, a line of 
maybe like four or so tents with like different number ranges, you know? Oh, okay. And then there was like information at the end. Um, and then behind us was, I could have been one big tent. I wasn't honestly paying attention, but yeah. But they normally do like when it was at that like Fondy Recreation Center, like they at least had I a worked good the tent. I worked the hurrah tent last year. Yeah. I, when I worked there for was, Strava, like I spoke at it. I, I believe Fleet Feet would have a space. Uh-huh. Like I legit bought goose or not, mm-hmm. well, whatever I take. I don't take goose. But. Yeah. I bought nutrition there. Yeah. You could buy socks, sunglasses, yeah. whatever. And and so if it was just a car back. Now, when did you go? Did you happen to pick up your packet during an Astros party? <laughs> I did not. I went um, I went at like 11 a.m. yesterday. Okay. But it's because there was, I heard. Well, right. I mean, they were have Not for nothing. God bless them. The Astros are in the playoffs. Uh-huh. And just kill me now. They're playing my hometown, <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but... Yeah, of course, every brewery and bar in town right. is hosting a viewing party. Right. And whether or not they could have seen that coming, yeah, maybe there should have been a contingency plan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I like like you said, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Like, I'm just a pacer. Like, I literally just show up on race day and grab my stick and go. But, like, I mean... I don't know. Like, why was it not at the recreation center again? You know? Right. Like, why? Who knows? I don't know. Because parking, I mean, like, have you been to Carbon? A long time ago. I mean, the parking not is not ideal. Right. I parked at the donut shop across the street. And I'm <laughs> sure that I wasn't supposed to do that, but, like, I did. Oh, whatever. Like, I, I mean, I was like, I'm not parking over here or waiting in this, like, ridiculous line. But, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it this year. Let's see. We'll see how it turns out next year. Well, yeah. So, I did throw out a question on the podcast Instagram because I was curious how people felt about the race. And so typically I get answers at night, but we're yeah. clearly it's three o'clock in the afternoon. And so we'll take what we can get. Yeah. Um, some of the answers were positive. Some weren't. Um, I asked, I, I was very generic. I did not want to make people lean either way and just asked, you know, how did you think the race went? And so Somebody said the 10K was good. <laughs> Somebody gave me a thumbs down. <laughs> One of the answers was challenging and fun. Um, as with every race, somebody told me it hurts. <laughs> um, now, I don't know that you would agree with this comment. Somebody said the weather was fantastic. Oh. I do agree with the second part. It was great to see friends of the running community, but you told me it was like 95% humidity, oh, and that so just sounds terrible humid. to me. Yeah, it was humid. The weather, the temperature itself was was lovely at least for you know the houston area but god i knew like i knew nearly immediately how humid it was i was soaked i was i mean i was soaked in the first couple miles yeah yeah there were a lot of people that said they thought it was long somebody did blame construction um but it's not the construction's fault that it was long well no it's a hundred percent it's not it's the construction's fault that they had to change the course yeah but the race organizers should have known and prepared for that which they theoretically did but maybe because they ran the course in a different direction yeah i don't really understand how that would have added an extra half a mile to the certified course but that's what they're saying happened um so what are your i guess we've covered like what the race looked like for you so overall well and so this was something else that amelia and i talked about um you know hurrah just basically condemned the marathon changing Mm -hmm. the local elite standards. And now with this long course, um, 
Well, and we looked at the results. Yeah. I do think the results are off. Yeah. Um, I believe without having been at the race that Starla Garcia would have actually won. Yeah. And they show like six women in front of her, which yeah. could have been from the 10K. Yeah. Not, that's not really thought. sure. I've never heard of them. So I uh, think so. Well, right. Yeah. The runners nobody's ever, I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, so, but based on Starla's finishing time yeah. on the app, yeah. nobody f- from the race would have qualified. Correct. Now, yes, the race was possibly a half a mile long. Yeah. Um, and so, this is something that Hurrah can point to as yep. like, well, see, the standards are too tough. Mm-hmm. Nobody made it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the course was too long. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think that based on uh, that screenshot you just received about the half <laughs> saying that, um, you know, whatever their GPS, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, okay, we get it. We know that, but not a full half. Um, I think that based on like that answer and then just the fact of like what Hurrah has been saying i think they're absolutely going to like make a stink about it i think so um but i mean if you take starla's time and subtract what half a mile yeah if you subtract which for half her a mile, is, is what maybe three minutes yeah i mean she was running 550s like her average is 550 so if you subtract that like she clearly had the new updated right, I standard think, i think her results were something like 120 and so she would have obviously run 117 maybe yeah. under 117 she was like 119 high Right? Uh, I think think so. And so, like, the new standard for the female open in the half is it's 117.45. Oh, she absolutely. And so, if the course was accurate, she would have made it. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think, I mean, I think they're going to say that, but I don't think that that's. I don't think they have a leg to stand on. I don't think it's valid. Yeah. And especially also, like, I mean, you look at the Space City results from one Space City, like, a couple weeks ago, like, early October. You look at the Space City results, like, they had a lot of qualifiers. Right. And, like, I just, I I mean, and I think today would have also had a lot of qualifiers. Like, I agree. I think Starla would have absolutely hit the standard. And then, like, the 40, the 40, like, granted, uh, CK beat Flora. Yes. Um, But, like, Flora picked up hers in Space City already so she's fine there like ck doesn't have hers yet but like ck is a master's runner and she was like 124 today mm-hmm. and that one is turned into 122 is that what you said uh 123 mid i think oh, 123 24 yeah. okay so yeah she would have completely gotten it so i just right. don't i i think they're gonna say i think they're definitely gonna say something they're gonna use it as a reason why the standards are too high which yeah. of course was also long yeah whether people agree with that or not yeah. is up to them right. but yeah look i like I said, I am 100% typically on the side of the race with saying your GPS is never mm-hmm. going to say 13.1 or 26.2, but it's also never 0.7 longer than the race. And no. I've seen people post their watch results to say 13.8, yeah, 13.75, and yeah. 13.7, and, mm-hmm. and I, I just think that's too long. There's, yeah. I, I don't think... That's too much for yeah. GPS issues. Like, yeah. That's, that's too much. And... Even with the big crowd, I can guarantee you that I was not bobbing and weaving enough to make that I big of a, a difference. Right. Yeah, I know that I was not. I mean, I was intentionally going straight as best I could through through people as needed. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I I was I know that I wasn't making a substantial yeah. substantial difference. So okay, yeah. Well, yeah. Um. We've chatted about the entire race, yes. and I think we've made it through everything that I needed to ask you. Do you have anything else 
um, that you think you want to share about this race or no, I mean, like I enjoy pacing and it's, it's always such a rewarding day to pace. And I feel, I feel thankful that like, no matter what, like, even though we didn't hit it today, you know, based on finish time alone, that like people were still happy, which I think is important. Um, and that that's at least the perspective that I saw. I feel like a lot of people that run with pace groups, you know, they want to hop into a pace group so that they don't have to think about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like this man behind me was saying that today. He was like, it's just so helpful. Like yeah. I can just stick to you and know yeah. that like you're going to run even. And I love it. Um, and like I said, it didn't particularly bother, bother me, you know, or swayed me in a negative way. I hope that like next year, the course is obviously back to normal, but I do feel bad for anybody who was racing, anybody who was truly trying to PR. I feel bad for those wheelchair racers. Like, um, I love it. It's a great race. Like it's obviously a fun Houston hometown mm-hmm. race, but yeah, something was just really off today and I enjoy, I mean, I had a great morning. I truly yeah. did. All right. So well, I really appreciate you. <laughs> sharing your experience you. with me today. And Thank like you. I told Amelia, I really do want to bring this podcast back. Yeah. Um, in a more, at least semi-regular fashion. I don't know if it'll be every week, but I no. hope at least twice a month. Yeah. Um, schedule depending. Yeah. And so hopefully you'll be hearing more from us soon. Yeah. Thank y'all. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at runners of Hugh. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or however your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.